Well, good morning. How y'all doing today? So good to see all of you here. Really glad you're here. Easter, man, this is exciting. What a what a cool day this is. Um, of course, it's felt kind of like Easter since February. This has been the most awesome winter ever um, <clears throat> because of that. And But it, it really is Easter today, and I'm so excited you're here. And all of you, I saw you had your new clothes on. You know, this shirt is brand new. But, uh, but, but it's Easter is about more than new clothes, as a, as a famous internet sensation once said. Easter do not mean hats. If you don't know who said that, I'll tell you later. And, um, and so, so we're here today to celebrate more than just clothes and, and, uh, and, and springtime and bunnies and eggs. And, and, uh, and I really am, really am glad that you're here. I want to I pray and, uh, it's so that we can be sure that we all understand uh, everything that's going on today. I'm going to pray for, for me to be clear. I'm going to pray for everybody to understand what's said and pray for God to do what he needs to do. And, and then we'll jump into uh, to the story and the excitement of what Easter is all about. So let's pray. Father God, you are a great God, just like we sang. And, and uh, you deserve all the praise that we can give you and so much more than that. And so I ask today, Father, that, that you would speak through your word very clearly. Lord, that you would do the work that you need to do in everybody's heart here today, including mine, because we all need you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the things that I like about Easter is that uh, it is a time of kind of coming together. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get, most of you probably have some type of plans today. If you didn't do it today, maybe you'll, you'll do, you did it yesterday, of getting together with family and you know, eating a meal and, and all that kind of stuff. And so that's always good. It's a good thing. And you're, some of you are like, dude, you don't know my family. That's not really a good thing. But, but you know, <clears throat> but it's good to, for a, a time of coming together. And I like that because it, it just seems to me, and, and, and the, the more that I watch TV and just notice things going on in the world, we, we, we seem as a country just to be really divided over stuff all the time. We just always find ways to, to separate ourselves from each other. And, you know, politics is... Man, it's just so so divisive, and everybody gets upset about wh- which way you vote and all that kind of stuff, and and even silly stuff like school rivalries, and you know, and you know, do you go to this high school or that high school? I hate you, you know, all that kind of garbage. It's just ridiculous, and and we seem to be so divided nowadays, and and especially re- recently, we've seen we've seen our country be divided over race, and there's these issues that that people just get just gets all messed up, and we can't seem to get along with each other, and and religion oftentimes divides us, and whether you go to this church or that church, and and uh, or whether you go to church, and and we get so divided by those things. And, and I want you to know that in, in the, the time that the Bible was written, in the New Testament, the, the Bible has two parts. It has the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And during the New Testament time, that was when Jesus came to earth, that there was a lot of division then as well. In fact, there was this huge division at that time between two groups of people, uh, the, the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and this division between the Jews and the Gentiles, it was a, it was a, a, um, a cultural uh, a racial division and it was a religious division and because people who were Jews they were they were born as Jews people who were Gentiles they were born as Gentiles they couldn't do anything about that so it was a it was a racial thing but it was also a religious thing because at that time the Jews were the church people 
The Jews were the ones who were at church all the time and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and the Gentiles were, were the folks that were not in church. And so the Jews looked down on them and, and, and it basically called them, did like Aunt Esther used to do to Fred Sanford and called them heathens all the time, right? And so that's, that's what they would do. they call them heathens and pagans and all these <clears throat> names that were ugly. And, and so it just caused so much division between the two groups of people. Well, I want you to know that that the story of Easter, it broke down those divisions between Jews and Gentiles, and it can break down divisions that we deal with today. Because what Easter does is it, is it, it destroys those barriers, it destroys those walls that separate us, and it gives us something new to believe in, something new to live our lives for. And so I'm going to read from the book of Ephesians. Uh, that's in the New Testament. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been We've been reading through parts of Ephesians and talking about it. And, uh, and I'm going to start in verse 11. I'm going to read verses 11 through 18. If you don't have your Bibles, look on the screen. It's going to be up there where everybody can see it. If you do have your Bibles, just turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. It says this. This was, this was written after Jesus uh, had gone back to heaven, written by a guy named Paul. And Paul writes this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Now, if you're not familiar with this passage of Scripture, you're not familiar with the book of Ephesians or the New Testament, you're going to look at that and you're going to go, dude, there is some weird stuff in there. Because even just the first verse, it will seem kind of strange to you. Verse 11, and uh, because, because it starts talking about circumcision and uncircumcision, and you're like, man, that's like too personal to be talking about at church. And, and, uh, but what you need to understand is that what was going on there is that for the Jews, being circumcised was part of their religion. It was, it was an important thing to them. And, and so it might be like for us uh, being baptized or, or going to church or all these kinds of things that, that we feel like you've got to do those things. And, and we talk about that, that that's important. And so, so there in verse 11, when it says this, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised. Now here's what you need to understand. I told you a while ago that the Jews would call the Gentiles heathens. And that's what this is about because the Jews were saying, hey, y'all are uncircumcised. Well, it was true, but, but it wasn't one of those things that they were saying in a nice way. They were using it in an ugly way. They were saying to them, you're not religious. You're not close to God. And they were saying, but we are religious. We're close to God. But what they didn't understand, look at the end of verse 11. It says that the circumcision, that was done in the body by the hands of men. 
Now see, what you need to know is this. The Jews were constantly building walls to separate themselves from the Gentiles. And what they believed is that they were close to God. The Jews thought, man, me being circumcised, me going to the temple, me doing all this stuff that I do, that makes me close to God. And they thought, since the Gentiles don't do any of that stuff, they're not close to God. But what the Jews didn't understand is that all those things they were doing were not bringing them any closer to God because they were all things that were done on the outside by their own hands and nothing was being done to their heart. And so they were constantly creating these barriers between themselves and the Gentiles, thinking that on this side of the wall where the Jews were, this was close to God, and on the other side of the wall where the Gentiles were, that was far away from God. But what they didn't realize was on this side of the wall, they were just as far from God as the Gentiles were on that side of the wall. Because everything that they did, they did by their own power, they did by their own action, hoping that that would bring them closer to God. But we cannot do things on our own to bring us closer to God. We can't be good enough. We can't, we can't be nice enough. We can't help enough stray dogs and old ladies to get close to God. So how do we, how do, we do that? How, how do we get rid of this wall that's between us? Well, there's two things that we have to accept. The first thing is this. You have to accept his death. You have to accept his death. Now, I'm talking about the death of Jesus. Now, now all of you here today, if you're, if you're a fairly well-balanced human being, you've had the thought that at some point you're going to die. Now, if you think about it all the time, that's another issue that we probably need to talk to you about. But it comes to mind, and, and you think about it, and maybe you go to a funeral, or maybe you hear of, uh, I heard just yesterday that the dude, Thomas Kincaid, that paints all those uh, paintings with the lights on it and stuff he died he was only 54 years old so that gets your attention you know somebody that young dying and so it comes to your mind that we're all going to die one day and that you all have to deal with it and 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 whether whether you want to accept that fact or not it's coming it's it's a fact and, and you can't you know you can maybe try to cryogenically freeze yourself like walt disney or something like that but but it one way or the other you're going to die and, and so we have to accept that fact. Well, just as we have to accept the fact that, that we're going to die one day, we have to accept the fact that Jesus died. Jesus came to earth as a, as a real man, just like me and you. Now, he, he was God. And it's, I know it's hard to understand, but, but, but God, he was God in heaven, and he came to earth in the form of a baby. That's what Christmas is all about, you know, away in the manger and all that good stuff. And, and so he comes to earth in the form of a man, and he grows up, and, and he's just like us. When he worked in, his, worked in his dad's carpentry shop, if he busted his, his uh, thumb with a, with a hammer, it busted open, and it swelled up, and, and it hurt. And he probably said, no, he didn't say any cuss words because he never sinned, but he might have said something like, oh, that hurt. I don't know what he would say, but he didn't cuss like I would. He said something else. And so, so he was a real man. He dealt with the stuff that we deal with. And one of the things that happened to him was is that he really died. He went to the cross, and, 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 and the, the fact that, and you might say, yeah, Cliff, that's what the Bible says, but I don't believe the Bible. Even if you don't believe the Bible, history tells us that Jesus was a real man, and he really died. He, he went through a trial because the people who were the same people that were always calling the Gentiles uncircumcised and calling them heathens, those same people, they didn't like the stuff Jesus taught. 
And so they made sure that he got arrested. And after he was arrested, he went through this trial. And after the trial, he was, he was tortured by being whipped. And then, and then he was crucified. And, and, and this, was a, this, was, this was nothing like lethal injection the way we put people to death today in our society. See, this was before the Constitution and before an amendment that said there was no such thing as cruel and unusual punishment. Crucifixion was definitely cruel. And it was, if in the standards of what we do today, it's definitely unusual. And they stretched him out on a cross made of wood, and they drove nails, they drove spikes through his hands and through his feet. And then they lifted him up, and they dropped that cross down into a hole, and he hung on the cross for several hours, completely naked, bleeding to death in front of everyone who wanted to walk by and throw stones at him, spit at him, and curse him out. And he did that. And he did that for you, and he did that for me, and it was a real fact, and he really died. And one of the first things that we have to accept if we want to, to do away with this barrier that separates us from God, just like it separated the Jews from God and it separated the Gentiles from God, is we have to accept the death of Jesus. See, verses 13 through 15 that I just read of Ephesians 2 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away separated from God, have been brought near. What have you been brought near through? What does it say there? The blood of Christ. It was through what he did on the cross. Then verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Destroy the barrier. The wall that separates us from God. Now, what is that wall? We talked about this last week. The wall that separates us from God is sin. Now, I know sin is not a popular word. I know sin is not a politically correct term in our society today. In fact, we want to take things that the Bible calls sins and we want to, we want to justify them. We want to make excuses for why we should be allowed to do them. And we want to change the terminology completely. But the Bible's very clear. God has given us one way to live. And when we steer off of that and live another way, that's called sin. And, and it's the sin in our life that separates us from God. And here's the, here's the thing that we all have in common. We all have in common that we're all going to die. The other thing we all have in common is we all sin. I sin. You sin. Your grandma, who you think is perfect, sins. And so we all sin. And, and that's, that's what separates us from God. And the problem with sin is the punishment for sin is death. Somebody has to die. And that's why we have to accept the death of Jesus if we want to do away with the wall that separates us from God. Now, what's the second thing that we have to accept? We have to accept his life. Not only do we have to accept his death, but we have to accept his life. Now, I want you to understand something. As we get ready to talk about what happened on Easter Sunday morning and accepting the life of Jesus, the first thing you understand is that, and I already said this, but I want to make sure it's perfectly clear, Jesus died. And when I say he died, I mean he died just like we're going to die one day. When he hung up there on the cross, he, he, his heart stopped beating. No air was going in and out of his lungs anymore. All his organs shut down. He was dead. As my daddy would say, he was dead as a doornail. He was completely dead. There was nothing left that was going on in his body that would make you think he was alive. You know, there's some people that say, oh, he just passed out and they buried him. 
you know, and all that kind of stuff. No, he was dead. He was completely dead. And, and the, the reason that you need to understand that he was, he was completely dead is because on Sunday morning when he came back to life, that makes it that much more miraculous because the death of Jesus is important. I mean, we just read where it says that, that uh, it was by the blood of Christ that the wall is, de- is, is destroyed and, and all that kind of stuff. But the death without the life of Jesus means nothing. What happened on Friday, him being crucified, if that was all that happened and he didn't come back to life on Sunday, it means nothing. Because people die all the time. People die every day. And you say, yeah, but Jesus died for a good cause. Jesus sacrificed himself for others. People sacrifice themselves for others in this world every day. There are are soldiers from our country serving overseas and and, and they, they, they give their life from time to time. You see that. They are sacrificing themselves for someone else. But when they die, they stay dead. But what made what happened with Jesus exciting was what happened after he died. Luke 24, which Chris just read a while ago. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, and this is my favorite question in all of Scripture, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. That's what makes the death of Jesus special because he didn't stay dead. See, Jesus began his work of, of, of we were separated from God. Jesus began the work of doing away with that separation between us and God when he was born in Bethlehem. That's when it began. And then he continued that work when he was lived on the earth and he was performing miracles. And then that work reached its peak when he died on the cross. But it wasn't complete yet. That work was not complete until on Sunday morning, Jesus woke up, heart started beating, started breathing again. He ripped off the grave clothes. And I always imagine that. Remember, you see uh, Superman when you were a kid and he rips off his, his outer suit and there's a Superman thing underneath him. And I think about that. Jesus, the, the, the carpenter from, from Nazareth that everybody thought was just some normal guy and he died like everybody else. And he wakes up and he rips the grave clothes off and now he's more alive than he's ever been. And he walks out of the tomb alive, completely alive, just as he was completely dead. Now he is completely alive. And that's what makes the death special. See, without that, it means nothing. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says this, And if Christ has not been raised, so if he didn't rise from the dead, then your faith is futile or futile, however you want to say that. Your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. What separates us from God? Sin. What does away with that separation? The death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Because without the resurrection, if it's just the death, the separation is still there. We're still in our sins. And see, the thing is, is that we talked a while ago that, that everybody dies, and all great people die too. I mean, we've had famous people just recently die. People who are singers and, and made tons of money, and, and those people die. And it's sad when they die, but when they die... They're still dead. 
And great presidents have died, and when they died, they were still dead. Great kings died, and when they died, they were still dead. Great religious leaders died, and when they died, they were still dead. Great prophets died, and when they died, they were still dead. But Jesus is the only one that he died just like the rest of them, but instead of still being dead, he came back to life, and he's alive today. And that's what Easter is all about. And so what you have to decide today for yourself, can you accept the death of Jesus and can you accept the life of Jesus? Because you might want to accept just part of who Jesus is and say, you know what, I can accept, man, I've read some of the Bible and I can accept that Jesus was a good teacher. You know, that whole do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that's a good thing. I'm glad Jesus said that. I can accept that. And you might want to just accept that maybe even Jesus was able to do a miracle from time to time. You can't figure it out, but yeah, I can accept that. And, and, and maybe you just want to accept the fact that Jesus was just an all-around great guy. And, you know, he was somebody that you should model your life after. But if that's all you're accepting, then the, the story of Easter means nothing. The power of Easter means nothing. Because you have to accept that he was real, that he died, and then you have to accept that he came back to life. There's a word in two of these verses. It's actually in three of the verses, but I'm going to read two. That as I read this passage of Scripture, this word kept coming back to me. Look at verse 14 and verse 17 of Ephesians 2. It says this. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And then in verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who are near. You know, peace is one of those words, like most words, that when you hear the word peace, you think different things based on whatever situation you're in in life. If you're a parent of a newborn, peace means like six uninter uninterrupted hours of sleep. That's what peace is. If you're a, if you're a student in school, peace means for you summer break. If you're a manager of people, you work a job, or you got a bunch of people you have to manage, peace to you means nobody calling in sick and nobody complaining about their job to you all week. I mean, there's just a lot of different things that peace can mean. If, you, if you're struggling with your finances, peace means a day or two with nobody calling to collect any money from you. That's what peace means. And, but here's the thing. All of us, including me, we all struggle from time to time with feeling at peace. In fact, maybe you struggle all the time. You just don't feel at peace. You don't have any peace of mind. You don't have any peace in your heart. And, and, and maybe you do all kinds of things to, to just get that feeling of having no peace out of your mind. You, you work extra hours. You, you do extra hobbies. You, you try to just find happiness in all these different places. And it's really because you know that when you get quiet and when there's nobody around and you start to think about it, you're not at peace. You're anything but at peace. I want you to know today you can have peace. You might not be able to have physical peace. What's going on in your life may not change, but you can have spiritual peace. 
And what that means is that no matter what the circumstances are, even though you work that job where you got a boss that's a jerk to you, or even though you're the boss and you got a bunch of people that work for you and they're jerks to you, whatever it might be, even if you got a bad home life, a bad marriage, even while those things are going on, you can still be at peace inside. You can be at peace spiritually, but that only comes through Jesus. Verse 14, there it said, He Himself is our peace. But if you want peace today, if you want to be at peace spiritually, you have to accept the death of Jesus, and you have to accept the life of Jesus. I want you to bow your heads. Resist the urge to pack your stuff up for just a minute and go ahead and bow your heads. Nobody looking around. What I'd like to do is just tell you this. If, if, you, if you need that peace, if you need to accept the death of Jesus and accept the life of Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer. And you can pray the prayer that I pray. You can just repeat the words after me. You can say them out loud if you want to. You can say them silently. It doesn't matter. But what matters is if you mean these words in your heart. And as I pray this, you repeat these after me if you want to accept the death of Jesus and accept the life of Jesus today. Jesus, I know that my sin separates me from God. I accept that your death breaks down the wall. I accept that you really died on the cross for me. And I accept that on Sunday morning, you came back to life. I believe the resurrection is real. And I want you to come into my life and give me peace. Now everybody keeping your heads bowed just for a minute. If you prayed that just now, I'd like you to raise your hand. Just lift it up real quick. You don't have to hold it up a long time. Now, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time on your worship guide that we gave you when you came in, at the bottom there's a place to fill out and, and there's a, a, a box that says, today I prayed to receive Jesus. I want you to check that box off, put your name on it, and I want you to give that to one of our greeters as you leave because we want to follow up with you and just talk to you about that. Be sure that you do that so that we can be praying for you. And I want to say, too, that if you are here today and you didn't pray that prayer, but, but you got some questions and you know God's doing something in your heart, fill out that card and there's a place on there that you can check that says you've got questions about asking about Jesus. Fill that out. Give that to one of our greeters before you leave today. Now, I'm going to say a prayer for us to close and then, then we're going to sing some songs and go out of here excited about what Jesus has done. But I want to encourage you today that if what you heard today about accepting the death and the life of Jesus has done something in your heart, stirred something up, 
don't ignore it. Because just because you leave church doesn't mean you don't have to stop dealing with Jesus. So let's pray. Father God, you are kind and gracious. And you demonstrated that most of all on the cross. You've demonstrated your grace to us and your mercy to us by dying on the cross. And so, Lord, I pray today that everybody here would understand that and they would deal with that. Help us to follow you closer than we ever have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.